Hi guys. Welcome back to the Bold Beautiful Borderline podcast. I have the recently graduated as in like received her diploma, wore the cap and gown. Um Lori with me. We love you and we are so proud of you. And it's always Thank so you. exciting to get to record with you. Um but today we are interviewing Paul who I think has like a very Um, cool story that we're going to dive into today. Paul lives in London, but is from the Philippines and he teaches Filipino martial arts. And that's what his whole Instagram is about. I tried to snoop and see if I could find like borderline specific stuff and it took me nowhere. So we're going to get the full backstory. Um, But Paul, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what brings you on the podcast. Um, my name is Paul, and um, I'm a Filipino martial artist. Um, I've been teaching for uh, 22 years now. Holy shit, I just said that. Okay, um, about 22 years now. And um, I'm not properly diagnosed with borderline. Um, I thought I had um, bipolar and uh, depression, but I think the depression is still relevant. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm here because I, I just, I guess, want to be able to share a story or two or 25. You know what I mean, <laughs> tell us about what childhood was like for you in terms of like symptoms. We love getting like the background story, the picture of like little you, what was, how did your symptoms present when you were younger? And when did you realize like, there's something maybe more here that other people aren't struggling with the same way I am. Um, I think my symptoms and everything that I've, I think been beginning to go through within my head, emotions and all that started very young. I think I was eight, eight or nine. Um, Started feeling either feeling neglected or angry and or together like angry because I was neglected feeling that way at least not understanding many things and um, coming from a broken family uh, a lot of uh, I'm the youngest of three uh, siblings and a lot of uh, things weren't explained because you're the youngest kid and you know, like, oh, you don't have to know because you're still very young kind of thing. And even if I kind of was very, uh, if I remember correctly, very inquisitive about it, uh, I was never really told about it. I was protected, you know, um, parents were trying to protect me and stuff or um, to, to not let me know what was going on. Um, a lot of that all the way up until maybe I was in my teens. And then everything kind of uh, changed into more visceral things. Like, I, you know, I'd get into trouble. Um, not always, like, also very self-righteous kind of trouble. Like, I was always very principalistic, I think, when I was younger until now. But... Um, because of the angry stuff that I couldn't really control when I was young, I, you know, sometimes letting it out meant getting into fights or 
you know, uh, having a loud argument with even with people I knew and all of that stuff. So uh, within those times was where my mom kind of uh, made me go to a counselor um, who kind of wasn't that big of a help because um, mental health in the Philippines, like now it's still bad, but it's getting better. Um, a lot of it had to do with like stigma and like you don't have any issues and you don't have anything wrong with you. Um, I clearly, I had many things that I was going through that I couldn't understand. And a lot of... And how, it, sorry to interrupt, how sorry, old were you at this point? I think I was in my teens at this point. Like when I went to that counselor, I was probably like between 12 and 15. Okay. Um, I don't quite remember. And yeah, the, the only thing, the, the end of that whole conversation, it was only even just a one-time thing, um, was that it was... It wasn't even formal. It was just insinuated that it might be bipolar um, because of the things that, like, I was either very angry, but very inquisitive, but very, you know, I felt very deeply in all of these different things. Um, so that confused me quite a bit. But I also didn't fight it. Like, I, you know, as a kid, you, you don't know how to fight it. You don't know how to deal with it. So I just kind of kept going um that's where the marsets kind of came in and saved my life in terms of not wanting to like do things to myself at least i'm able to get stronger and learn different skills through what i was going through i guess i always wonder martial art like as somebody who's never done martial arts always seems like outlet in the sense of like you can fight people and like it's fun and whatever but it's actually more about the con- the control part right it's when I was younger, it was because I wanted to learn how to fight. Um, as I was like, I was getting into trouble and all that stuff. Um, but very quickly, um, I started that when I was 12. Um, very quickly, I think within the two years within that first martial art, I was already like, this thing is doing more to me in here than it is teaching me how to deal with things out there. Obviously, the bruises and everything and the scars from training and, and sparring and all of these different things were always there, but it was always something that connected to what I was going through um, or at least what I was feeling. Um, it, it helped me. I mean, sometimes not fully because there were still moments of like, I really didn't know what to do. Yeah. There, there was a lot of that whole idea of like, being able to at least learn how to carry it or at least learn how to deal with it. Because again, in the Philippines, at least back then, you didn't have an issue. You just had to deal with it. You just had to learn how to, how to you know, pick things up where you left off and, and, and just keep going, go to school, do your homework, you know, um, go see your friends. And that was also another thing seeing friends kind of have why are you normal like why am i not normal like it was always that way um but at the same time it taught me a lot on being able to help other people in terms of their difficulties because i didn't know how to help myself but i knew how to help them um so i just kept doing that 
Um, so I just kept like just being there for people, um, which sometimes suck because like I can hold you, but I can't hold me. Like I sucks even till Ooh, now. It that's such a good. Sucks. That's such a good way of describing that. I can hold you, but I can't hold me. Wow. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it was very uh, like powerful. Some of my friends um, since childhood, um, one of them was always saying like, or did say recently, fairly recently, was like, you know, you were always like the the quote unquote the, the conscious one within the group. You know, I was like, I don't think it's just about consciousness. I think it's because I also go through hell in myself and i don't want that to be passed on or like not passed on but like people to experience that same kind of hell and i'm like i do what i can to like help out you know um or at least be there for people and it doesn't always work out um very rarely did it fruit into something that benefited my condition it benefited me because i was seeing them happier or i was able to help so that was a that was my fulfillment out of that rather than oh i get what i'm going through because i'm helping them it never really was that um it was just because don't go through what i went through kind of thing <laughs> like i i hope to whatever god you pray to that you know like you don't go through this kind of pain because um it's very it was always very heavy um and it always felt like i couldn't talk to anybody about it because no one got it like they, they couldn't understand the gravity or the 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 mass of the thing you know i, I feel angry oh you just have to calm down i'm like dude if you only knew yeah you know no shit <laughs> i'd love to <laughs> No matter how many cigarettes I smoke, bro, it doesn't really work. You know, like it's it's crazy. Um, Can I ask? It's crazy with the pers- yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, you're fine. I just was wondering, um, like the martial arts, was there any form of that that was self harm as well? Like getting punched, for example, or like having the bruises and the maybe broken bones, like. Did that help you not feel like you had to self-harm outside of that practice? I've been exposed. (laughs) No, um, for real though, yes. Um, I actually just recently thought about that again. And I'd always described it as me getting into trouble was a way for me to deal with the things that are going through my head that I couldn't touch. But at the same time, I realized recently, I'm like, even the training because of like the hard training and, you know, you, you hit hard things or you get hit with, you know, people that become your really good friends and whatnot. And like, it's an easier way to not do things on your own. I still did, but it was easier not to do things or like there was a reason for it. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm punching a hard bag or whatever. You know, my, my knuckles are bruised and like, bones are sore and whatever uh, gave me a reason to like oh it's painful there's a reason for me to like nurse my body because i couldn't touch anything 
I couldn't. I couldn't touch anything. And that was the most painful part of growing up was the fact that whatever I was experiencing, I could I could get punched, I could get kicked, I could punch, I could kick. But when they're like, Are you okay? I'm not I'm not okay. Like, yeah, like do you want to talk about it? You won't get it. Like, <laughs> even if I try, like, there's nothing that I will say that people would be able to understand. There are a few, obviously. And I do have really amazing friends back home that when they're there for me, they're there for me. But to really, truly, like, I get you. Like, I don't think, I think there's only a couple of people in my life at 38 years old now, like, that's been able to like, oh shit, I know how that feels. Like, oh fuck, you too? Like, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, it's really, it was a revelation for me. Like, when I heard you guys speak, it was like, holy shit, everything that you guys were saying at one point, I was like, oh my God, me too. Oh shit, me too. Like, oh my God. Like, that's huge. Like, people experience it in the same like manner a different boat but it's the same ocean like it's the same type of water that we swim in like it was pretty interesting it was fairly scary at the same time it's like new new terrain for me to like you know walk on and and begin to understand you know um and when yeah. did you move from the philippines to london like at what age uh, it was six years ago only Oh, okay, okay. So do yeah, you yeah. find uh do you find that people in the Philippines have a different way of speaking about emotion than people in London do? Um not only speaking about emotion, it's sometimes not speaking about emotion. Yeah. Um because I, I, I'm Filipino second generation, but I'm uh, of a Chinese um family. Mm, so okay. it's like even more like tradition back there and all of these different things. And it's always been something that um, just deal with it kind of thing. So it, it was always from the outside that I'd find friends and people that I learned to call family. And I'm very lucky to have had mentors growing up and, you know, whether or not that was, that was, you know, a, a good accident or or a, a happy accident that happened with my life. Um, I'm still very grateful for those kinds of those people that not even when they understood, they were like, it's okay, let it out. Or, you know, we're here or we'll have a beer, we'll have a joint or whatever it is that, you know, we would do. Or let's just train, let's spar, let's do this and let's do that. And like, although people that I know would talk about what they go through, I think in general, um, because of a, a more conservative culture, a more conservative tradition of, of, of the Filipino people, or at least how I grew up, um, a lot of it wasn't talked about. Um, a lot of it was kept buried and drugs, alcohol, you know, that's why the... <laughs> Funnily enough, that's why the music is so good. <laughs> that's why the art is so good. Um, 
And that isn't funny at all to me, right? Like that makes total sense. Yeah. It's it's how it came out. Like with people that, you know, artists that I know and and you know, the the musicians that I know and friends and all of that, like all of them let their thing out because no one like the poetry, you know, the poetry is also quite amazing and that's how they dealt with it because no one else would listen, at least maybe in their families or, you know, within my family or whatever. Like, um, yeah, a lot of it was either poetry or just listening to music or training or getting into trouble. Um, aside from that, it was getting absolutely fucked or drugs or, you know, all of these different things that made you forget for a little while. You wake up with a hangover, like, oh, shit, it's still there. Oh, and so um, much shame. It's so much. So much, like, oh, my God. Again? Like, you know. And it's interesting. And it's very sad that it had to be that way. But, again, it's like, it's one or the other. Right? I, as much as I'd like to say it, it, it's something of a curse to me, like, a lot of people that go through their own mental health things, become amazing artists and become amazing writers or amazing musicians and all that. And to me, that's attributed to their hardship, you know, and as much as I'd like to say that I wish it wasn't there, the art wouldn't be there. And I live for that. You know, I live for that kind of thing. And that that's why training became that I like, I write about all the time in my poetry is like would I change my like would I trade my self-hate for the art I don't I like to think I would like yes take it away from me in an instant but there is something so comforting to me in writing these feelings down absolutely absolutely like it's it's sometimes it saves you not sometimes more often than not it saves you from yourself right and moments that i can't create anything whether movement or whether a poetry or whether something even just singing to a music that i like it's It's just it 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 sing, at least for me I describe it as it sings to my soul a lot like it at least settles something down and it's like lavender for your heart or some shit you know like it, it it's interesting but at the same time it's it's still painful it's not like it goes away the moment the song ends the moment that I finish writing it's like okay now what back to fighting back to like getting in trouble back to like smoking weed or whatever it is you know like. It, it's very it's very uh not even yin and yang it's like would i want it to go away i don't know because i don't know myself without it exactly i, I don't know myself without it and it's like everything i've ever learned to say everything i've ever learned how to write and everything, even the creation or the development of the art that I do now um, was all attributed 
to whatever I go through. And I, it's my, with my students, I often describe it as whatever it is that's there that I can't see. That's my superpower, but it's also like my kryptonite. Like that's, it's my bullshit. But at the same time, it's like, it's what's helping me help you. It's what's helping me be better at, you know, at a skill. Um, which is it like I can't even put it into words how frustrating sometimes that can get. Like it's really frustrating. It's like, why can't I just learn the thing without the other thing? But oh my gosh. Funnily enough, I was just writing about this the other day, but I do feel like there is, and I'm sure Lori can super agree and relate. There is a piece of having a serious mental illness and working towards recovery. That is like, you almost have to take on an act of service towards the community in order to make it meaningful. So sometimes it feels like you sacrifice yourself for the greater good of this thing. Lori and I both have done that naturally in our work, but then also like this podcast that we host and Lori facilitates super feelers and like all of these things that we really value and love, but are so much fucking work for us. We can't even really like quantify it. And we do it. Yes, because it's it's helpful for us, but we do it because it's in service of our community. Right. And that's the thing that people who don't have any oppressed identities or any like stigma that they experience in the world don't understand that it's almost like it forces you to become an advocate. And that's a lot of pressure that we don't always want to have. Yeah. There's, there's a song, um, sober by Demi Lovato. Have you heard that song? No, I haven't you both need to go listen to it. Well, not right now, right after this, the <laughs> amount of times that I have sat in a grocery store parking lot, bawling my eyes out with that song on repeat is like, I can't even count them. And it's because of exactly what Sarah said. It's about how like she became this like sobriety, mental health advocate by, because she was famous and how much additional pressure that put on her. Oh, silver by Demi Lovato you have to listen to it you will cry i promise i will cry yes okay (laughs) i imagine you feel the same way to your students that Lori and i often find ourselves i think feeling to each other which is like we have this commitment together in this work that we do that forces us to like interact and participate with each other for this common good that we don't always want to do you know, like, and then it's not easy. And, um, it's like, Oh God damn it. I have to navigate more conflict in my life in this relationship, in these relationships, because I feel like I have to carry this greater good while also like navigating all of the garbage fire that is borderline personality. It's, it's, you know, I laugh because like literally, and I don't even teach like classes and stuff. Like a lot of, uh, you know, martial arts coaches now they do classes. I still stick to like one-on-one stuff. And and for many, many years, people, mentors, friends, students have told me, you know, you should 
teach classes. And I'm like, for the life of me, getting to know you is already like big enough for me. Like I want to get you better, not only in skill, but whatever it is that you're going through. And no matter how heavy it's been and heavy it is in terms of their weight, it seems like I'm always ready, willing, and able to like, let's do it. Let's like, you know, happily do it. And when it gets a little bit heavy, they're like, oh, it's a bit heavy. I'm like, I can carry it. But it's also become like a crutch, which is not always good. Um, I've learned how to like, yo, chill. Um, you're fucking with my brain or it whole the whole thing might be fucking with my brain. Um, and only for that, least for me at an early age i started teaching when i was like 16 17 kickboxing only even for that whole hey thanks you've helped not only with the skill like you've helped me that became like something i even almost like i chased that i never began doing or teaching martial arts to make a living i always did it to get people better, to get myself better, to get, you know, a skill done or, yo, you're, you know, you're going through a hard time. Let's come. Like I've had sessions where, and they're like, all oh, my students are like, I'm not feeling great. Although we won't have to train. Let's have some coffee. Let's have some food. Let's talk. And it's always been that way for me. Always. Like, that's why, like, inadvertently i started reading up on psychology i started reading up deeper on philosophy i'm like and this was i'm still a teenager at this point i'm like like i don't get why i'm so like clingy onto these concepts and until now it's that's why i describe what i do as very connected to me but at the same time i want to learn how to pass it on because i'm not going to be here forever but I do believe that it can help people not only learn how to protect themselves, but to be able to better themselves, like their inner workings and their critical thinking or not thinking for that matter. A lot of people do overthink, right? And how do we not think and just let things kind of like flow and be in that moment? Um, that's why when you guys, when you just described now, it's it's funny to me. I'm like, holy shit, it happens to them too. Like, like that's a that's that's a trip for me. Like that's a trip to hear, you know, from different parts of the world and different industries. We're doing the same thing, and as much as it is a burden, I've learned how to be happy with that burden because my own burden sometimes is unbearable at least this is my excuse <laughs> it's easier for me to be able to reach out to somebody and like i hope you don't be like me in many ways don't be a dumbass don't get into fights don't get into do this don't do too many drugs do some but you know um you know don't be a saint either. Like no one wants a saint these days. Shit. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a relief. 
for me to hear you say that here, like from both of you, it's like, it's a trip. It's crazy. It's the first time I think I've heard anyone say it in the same manner that I would probably describe it as. And that's like, it's like, wow, like, fuck, that's a weight off my fucking chest. Like, shit. It's not just me. Like, there's a Justice League out there. <laughs> but, you know, great responsibility is not always easy. This is where Lori and I have gone, like, rounds because she would not give up her borderline to continue to be in service of other people in the way that we are. Well, and because I think it makes me a better person. Not not yeah. just not just because of the service, but because of the, like, empathy and stuff. Totally. All the things it does for you. Yes, 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 yes. I am sick and twisted and depressed and I would give it up for to like, I would give that part of it up, the advocacy part, but it's hard for me to say I would give it up for my, my writing and my art. That's where I'm really dark and twisted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, if it's, because it, it, that's a thing, right? We find a way patch the wound or to patch a wound we have a million of them but so in that way it's like if it's the service thing i could easily say yeah probably you know will i give it up i don't know i'd probably always be there for friends still which is still a service um like it comes naturally just because of what i've seen and and been through but you like hearing you say that you would give it up i'm like would i i don't know that's a good question it's a question You'll have i to don't come have back on for. and tell us when you feel like you have an <laughs> Absolutely. answer like i don't know if i would you know yeah so what is like your relationship with your family and friends around this have you told them like i think i have this thing i've told friends um a lot of them that i've told well i haven't told the ones even like closest to me that the the, the boys you grew up with just because i know their lives are also like pretty hectic at the moment and stuff so i've told like my best friend I've told another friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, who is also diagnosed with BPD. And when I told him about it, I was like, I'm not sure, but everything rings a bell. Like every single category rings a bell. He's like, yeah, welcome to the club. (laughs) He's like, I don't know what to tell you, bro. At least now, you know, you're able to freely talk about it. Um, so my best friend and and a friend of mine um are very obviously they're they're very good with it. Um especially with a friend of mine that has a BPD. Some days we trade horse shit. Oh my god, I feel like crap, so we'll talk, we'll talk. And he's like, Yeah, I feel like crap, so he'll talk. He's like, and he'll ask me, like, what are you cooking? Because he he enjoys, he really enjoys what are you cooking? Okay, we'll get into a call. We'll get into a video call. Here's what I want you to buy. Buy ingredients, buy this. He's going to teach me a recipe. And we'll turn that into our therapy session. Kind of like, oh, can I cook with you? He's always like that. Like, So that to me is medicine. Um, that's medicine. I've told 
one family member. That didn't go so well because religion. And Can you elaborate found, on that a little bit? I'm just curious. It, uh, all you need to do is pray. Yeah. I don't think I need to elaborate any further than that. <laughs> yeah. like, I think you guys get it. Like, and I found myself being very angry at that. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, as if we don't think that you have prayed to a specific God or in your own way, right? It's like, don't you think I have asked in all of these ways to not have this and nobody answered? Like, I've, like, and I found myself being in such a, like, wait, I think I have to, like, not talk to you for a bit because I'm so triggered by how it's held. And it's it was very difficult. Until now, it's kind of, like, still very difficult for me to even approach that parent. It's like, I, I don't know what to say because I know they don't know what to say. So I'm like, well... <laughs> Maybe I just go on my day and kind of like, I'll try to figure this thing out. And if it, if there's anything that changes, then it, I'll let you know kind of thing. But that was a bit of a, not really a shock, but it was a letdown. Like of all the things that I've also been through and told that parent of mine, that they know as well that I've been through and stuff. It's like, and it's also, again, it's like, cause I've heard, I think it was you, sorry, that was saying it like they don't have, or they were trying to help with what they know or like the tools that they have. Right. So I don't take it against them. I don't, I do not. But for the life of me, I'm so angry with how it comes out. Like it, like, flames and fireballs come out of my ears like what is going on <laughs> stop talking <laughs> like it's so angering it's so triggering because it's like what what like why that choice of words there's so many different words that you can combine and make a sentence into a statement why those words like why stop there and not like you know and again it's a, and i understand it's like a perception thing you know perspective training tools that they've had you know and and again i don't take it against them but i also can't ignore the trigger or the anger that comes out of that that's one thing i'm trying to reconcile within my brain it's like i love you I do with all of me, but you don't see all of me. And that's a hard part. And I'm like, I'd rather walk alone for a sec and see where this takes me, you know? And, I, you know, I, and, and that's like one thing that I, exp- I express to even friends and students. I'm like, when people feel things still 10 is their maximum. My default is like 25, 30. That's a default. Ever since I was 
a young boy like like oh my god i'm excited i'm like 200 and they're like they're 10 like, let's go yeah and, and they're like what the fuck is wrong with you yeah <laughs> that's my favorite part though because yeah, we're just yeah, like yeah. fucking like a hundred percent in but that's also where the anger comes in right like because when i get angry people are like or when i get depressed or when i get sad i'm like people are like oh i'm like i'm dying yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and i laugh at myself because it's like when i'm not in that state i'm like what the fuck was i thinking like why was i even there it was such a tiny little thing or whatever but i've learned how not to take that against myself um just because I know it comes so naturally to me to feel everything at a million. Like, it's like I describe it as if a car goes as fast as 100, I go 200 by default. And then if there's anything even more than that, I'd probably go there too. Um, but in many, 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 many ways, that's one thing that I've learned how to shall I say, utilize to, to be able to teach and to be able to develop my own self into my own skill and all of these, this, the intensity and all of that. Learn how to put things into words or learn how to write things for myself and all of these things. But the days that I'm down, fuck, I can't even get out of, like, I have work. I can't get out of bed. Like, I don't want to get out of bed. It's not, I can't get out of bed. Like, I don't want to get out of bed. Um, so, yeah, I've learned how to, like, at least put some protocols in my system. It's like, some days I don't want to get out of bed. I'll still get up just to make a coffee. And at least I'm out of bed. Standing Office up. action, or, baby. See, I've, like, it's only with you guys that I learned dbt as a word as a as a thing i i didn't know about it i didn't mm-hmm. i didn't fucking like i don't know anything about it but when i started reading up a little bit about it i was like shit a lot of these things i'm kind of doing maybe not perfectly but i'm kind of doing them um interestingly a lot of it was the counter action thing like yeah op- op- oh my action. god yeah totally. yeah like i can't get a bed like okay coffee or like have a glass of water like just sit up like okay i'm up since i'm up brush your teeth okay brush your teeth or like wash your face or something um that helps and the discipline of the martial arts kind of helps i have to move i have to teach the responsibility for other people helps me be responsible for myself which selfishly, I'm like, yeah, I need y'all to come to train because I need me to be okay. <laughs> well, if I'm ever out your way, I will absolutely come and do a martial arts session with you and you will be I'm like, this, this lady can't move to save her life, but it'll be fun. I want to come to London so bad to get tattooed there. So like, there's a tattoo artist that I will get tattooed by, but I have to go to London. So if I go in the next few years, we got to get together. Baller. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be shit you get a tattoo here. Maybe that's the same day I get another one here. 
I've been thinking about the neck tattoos are so hot. I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it recently. I'm like, I still have so much space. I know we're going on a tangent, but I'm like recently, I'm like, I just, sometimes it's just like, even just a dark black arrow all the way to my collarbone. Oh yes. Definitely do that. (laughs) Definitely do that. Definitely do that. I support that. I love that. Like very simple, straight, like, yes, that's fun. But that's the thing um, with me, with everything, with, since I'm, I'm that type to go 35 to a million. It's like, oh, I'll do a little thing. It's like, oh my God, it's a whole neck. I didn't realize. I forgot. Totally. Okay, you guys, this episode was so fun. We decided to push it to two parts. So stay tuned next week for the second part of Paul's episode. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Bold, Beautiful Borderline podcast. Lori and I are so grateful that you're here with us on this journey, and we can't wait to dive into more topics in the future with you all about Borderline and even have some more fun and exciting guests to join us on the podcast. If you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you would rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. We would also love to see you interact with us on social media and on our Patreon page, The links to that are included in the show notes, so check us out there. We would be incredibly honored to get to know you all as you get to know us and our recovery stories. We love you, and we'll see you next time.